Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, November 26th, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, and we... As we, as we come to that, just remind us, we are just finished up Hebrews, and, um, and now we're coming to the Christmas season, so for the next month or two, um, I'm going to be preaching topically, so that's what I'm, I'm doing this morning, and uh, the, the title of the sermon is just basically the mission of the church, and we're going to look at Matthew 28, and I'm going to read verses 18 to 20. Let's go ahead and read the entire bit, uh, 16 to, to 20 there in Matthew 28, and then we will pray and get started. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. <clears throat> and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you again this morning at this time as we've read these words from from our Lord. Matthew 28, and we come and we, and we worship you this morning, and we worship you in the face of Jesus Christ, because all of your promises and all of your yeses are found in Christ. And we are here today because of Him, because of your great love and your great mercy towards us, and that while even before, while we were enemies, sinners, that uh, Christ died for us. And today we come as those who are found in Christ, whose sins are forgiven. And I pray that you would take our time, pray that you would use it, pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten our minds and, and, and our hearts, that we might love you more, that we might love Christ, that we might love the gospel, that we might be instructed in, in, in truth. I pray that Jesus would increase, that we, that I would decrease. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work. Pray for Christians that we would be encouraged, convicted, and just shown our need for Christ. And for non-Christians who are here today, that today they would hear the gospel and turn unto Christ and be saved. So, Father, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we come to a very familiar passage. And it should be familiar to us. These are the last words our Lord spoke before, after he, after he was resurrected before, resurrected, before he ascended to heaven. And in these words, we find the mission of the church. And so, what are we to be about in this world? That's what we find here in these words from our Lord. We can do a lot of good things in this world. But if we miss these words, we miss our mission. So, we must go into the world. We must make disciples. And we do this by telling people, 
about Jesus, giving them the good news of the gospel. And then when they believe, we baptize them. And then we continue to teach them to obey all of the commands of Jesus. And then, uh, this is not in the sermon today, there's a lot I'm leaving out. But then we gather them into churches and, and develop those churches and there continue to teach them to obey all of the commands of Jesus. This is not rocket science, brothers and sisters. It's really simple. If we will make disciples, if we will send folks, missionaries to the end of the earth, then we must back up and ask ourselves right here at Grace and in the local church, every Christian who reads these words, we must back up and say, are we getting the mission of the church right? And so with that in mind, I have three truths this morning and then some applications for us, some comments at the end. And here are the three truths concerning the mission of the church. And again, these are just three things. There are lots more from this passage, but just three basic things. Number one, we must get the gospel of Jesus right. That's number one. Number two, we must teach disciples to obey all of the commands of Christ. That's two. It's right in the text. And then three, which is implied, and we'll talk about this, but number three, love God. That's what, that's what we must be about. So number one, if we are going to get the gospel right, we must get, if we're going to be a mission-minded church, get the mission right, we must get the gospel of Jesus right. Every one of us in this world is a disciple of someone or something. But as Christians, we make disciples of who? We make disciples of Jesus. And we have a clear message because he came and he shared the message with us that we are also to proclaim. I think of Paul who says to the Galatians, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we've preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Hebrews 4, verse 14. We read these words. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession. That is our confession of the gospel. So, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel literally means good news. And this good news, this gospel from eternity past to eternity future, if I can say that, is this. God's plan to save a people from the world. Now, it's very simple this morning. We must ask ourselves the question, saved from what? What does God do? What is He sending His Son into the world to do? We're saved from what? We're saved from sin. Our first father, Adam... He sinned against God, and we are his offspring, the Bible tells us. <clears throat> and from Adam, we have inherited a sin nature. This is why we don't have, as I've said this many times, we don't have to teach our children to be bad. We teach them to be good 
And everybody who's been, who has kids, who has grandkids, who's been in any home group with small kids, we're teaching our kids to do what is right. We don't have to teach them to be bad because they're going to do it because of the sin nature that is within all of us. And that's what, we, that's what we must do. We are, because of sin, we are alienated from God. And as we saw a couple weeks ago, in this world we find hostility. We do not find peace. I mean, there, there are peaceful times, for sure. And there's, there's peace that God keeps in this world. But when we look around and we see what's going on in Ukraine, we see what's going on in Israel, and we see the natural disasters that take place, and then we see what's going on in the world, and then we look at our own hearts, and we see our own problems within our own families, and all the, 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 the mess that goes on, we know this to be true. We are separated from God because of sin. Instead of carrying out God's mandate to be fruitful and multiply, as he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, multiply, then go out all over the earth and spread my glory. But then when sin entered, and sin has come down to all of us, what do we spread? Yes, we are fruitful and multiply, some of us more fruitful and multiplying, but we do that, but what, what are we doing when we go out through the world? Well, generally speaking, as sinners, we are, we, are, we are spreading not the glory of God, but we're spreading what comes out of our own hearts, which is very sinful, and that's, and, and that's what's happening. The wages of sin is death, and we have fallen short of God's glory, all of us. And so, brothers and sisters, we must, and if we're going to get this gospel right, we need to know what we are saved from. We must be saved from sin and its effects. <clears throat> so, if we think about it a little bit further, if we think about this gospel, what did God do? Going back to Genesis 3.15, He made a promise that He would send one, one day He would come and be the deliverer and save us. The Bible says... For God so loved the world. So from eternity past, God made a, an eternal covenant to send the Son into the world. For God so loved the world. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He took on flesh. He lived a perfect life in both His heart and in His actions. He loved, He obeyed God perfectly. And then what did he do? He laid down his life as a sacrifice, a substitute sacrifice for sinners on the cross. And God punished the Son, this perfect Son, the Son who had not sinned. And God poured out His wrath upon Him. And those who believe in Him, as Christians today, our sins are covered. By the blood of Christ. The wrath of God is taken away. In our hearts, there's no longer hostility. There is peace. This is what Christ did on the cross. And after three days, what did He do? He rose again from the dead. And then, and then, He ascended to the right hand of the Father, where He sits now until all of God's enemies are made His footstool. And those who trust in Him, if you are a Christian today... You will be given a new body one day, and you are risen with Him even now by the Spirit powerfully. This, and I can say a lot more, but this is the gospel. This is the good news. <clears throat> and this doctrine we must hold on to as a church. If we will get the mission right, we've got to get 
This little bit that I shared this morning, this just the story of sin and how God sent His Son to save sinners in the, in the cross of Christ and His resurrection, we've got to get this right if we will get our mission right. Because when we go out to tell people, we're not just telling them God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We're telling them what I just shared. We're, we have to get the gospel right. So many folks today, even folks who, who call, may call themselves Christians in this world, they do not get the gospel right, or they water it down, or they add to it, they will not be effective in the mission of making disciples. This is fundamental. Churches out there who do not get this message right will not be effective in the mission of the church, in making disciples. So therefore, here at Grace, and at any Local church, anybody calling themselves a church must get this message right. So a couple of things just in application. We must never assume the gospel. Uh, I've often, you know, been at other churches and I've heard, and I, don't, I can't say this on one-off times, but I think churches sometimes will just assume the gospel and just tell people, come to Jesus, but yet not giving the message. And then over time, then it just becomes just everybody just come to Jesus get baptized. We have got to go deeper. We cannot assume the gospel. So therefore, I think we must always, it must be a regular thing that we preach this gospel weekly, even as we look, because all of the Bible is just, it's one big book that finds its fulfillment in Christ. And so whether we're preaching the Old Testament, or whether we're preaching the New, we've got to get to the fulfillment in Christ. And so I think one of the things that we do here at Grace and, and churches that do this, I think a good way to hold on to the gospel is to find a good confession. We use the New Hampshire Confession. There are other many good ones. The Baptist Faith and Message gets the gospel right as well. And to hold on to it and to often bring that before us. And I think we do that. We do that in our members' classes. And we do that in our home groups. And we bring this up often. So we must do this. Well, let, let me, let's go ahead and move on. That was... First truth on getting the mission right. We must get the message. The second thing is we must teach all that Jesus commands. That's right here in the text. This is to say to a new Christian, okay, now that you have believed on the Lord Jesus, it simply follows <clears throat> that you now must learn how to obey all of His commands. This is really the application of the gospel the ongoing teaching ministry of making disciples in the world. And, in the, and, and it's done through the local church. As I look at, at many Baptist churches, particularly over the past 50 years or so, there's been a great emphasis on preaching the gospel to the lost. And this, is, this has been very good. And I think as Southern Baptists, we've been generally very strong at going to the ends of the earth. We've been good at evangelism. We've been, we've been good. And this has been one of our strengths historically. And Baptist churches have multiplied because we have told people about Jesus. And this is good because if we do not tell people about Jesus, then people will not be saved. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We, we could put that in context. The Word of this gospel that I'm preaching this morning, that I've shared this morning. So if you are here today as a believer in Christ, it's because someone, maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a co-worker, maybe it was a neighbor, 
came to you, shared with you the gospel, or said, come to church. And there you heard the gospel. So I would, just by quick application, we must be about telling people about this gospel, about telling people about Jesus. And we must, if we can't, at least strike up conversations. Some of us are more bold than others, for sure. We have, all we have different personalities. I, I like to get to, to, to meet somebody and talk to them and just naturally even been very encouraged by Brother Caleb meeting up with all these non-believers on the disc golf course and just seeing how things go and sharing the gospel. But if we can't do that, we can't invite our neighbors to church. A lady told me the other day, she said, the reason that I went to church was because someone invited me. As Southern Baptists, generally, I think we've been good at inviting sinners to come to Christ in our, in our services. We're good at, at walking aisles. We're good at raising hands. We're, we, 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 we're, we're good at, at baptizing those who profess. But, and I hope this is not the case at Grace, and I don't think it is. But as I look around, often, it's my, this is a general statement, and this is, this is my own opinion. Um, but I don't see the emphasis in a lot of churches as, as to go deeper and to teach them all the commands of Christ. It's almost like we've stopped with the evangelism, get them in and just keep doing evangelism at this level. And if that becomes the case, then our churches, we've heard this before, can come, become a mile wide and just an inch thick, just an inch deep. Um, and, and again, I don't think that's the case for, for us, but I think that that can be, and that is the case in a lot of churches. And if this turns out to be the case over a period of time, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, then the church will eventually become ineffective. And probably such a church will not care that much about going to, to our neighbors or even going to the ends of the earth. Why? Why would a church not care? Well, it's because I think they're leaving out half of the Great Commission. It's not just go and tell, go make disciples. To make a disciple means to teach them to obey all the commands of Christ. So it's to move on with that. <clears throat> all of the commands of Christ. So with this in mind, let me give an implication from this truth just about practical godliness. So let me ask, what does it mean to obey all the commands of Christ? So in your life, and you hear me say that, what does it mean to obey all the commands of Christ? What does it look like in your life? Well, it, it is godliness. Now the assumption here is that the one, the disciple maker, the one who teaches to obey, actually knows what it means to obey. In other words, disciple makers practice as best they can. He or she practices what he or she preaches. A disciple-making church will do the same. So let me say this, there is no such thing as a Christian that does not bear fruit. There's no such thing as a Christian who does not bear fruit. And so Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. And so in the local church, we come here, but this is only an hour, hour and 15 minutes a week, and we meet in our home groups. But where does this take place? It takes place in your homes. You are what you are in your homes. And you hear me say that often. 
We are what, are what we are in our homes. Oftentimes, we're much kinder to our, to our neighbors and our, even our enemies than we are to our own family members sometimes. And so we are what we are. So I would say to fathers, lead your families. I would say to fathers and mothers, lead your children. And in the context of what I'm talking about here, I would say get the gospel right. I, I had a couple books here just to, to make reference to, just so you guys might know, just to, what is the gospel by Brian Chapel? Grab it. We've got three or four back there. What is the gospel by Ray Ortland? And there's another one on what is the gospel by Greg, Greg Gilbert. But as families, as fathers and mothers, we have to teach our children to get the gospel right. We do this in our catechism when we meet for home groups, okay? Some groups are not as good as others. I know our group's been okay. Um, I think our kids have done a better job at home, but we, every week we meet, we get into the catechism, we ask questions about the gospel. We must get them right. <clears throat> so I would say to you children, look up here at me if you're, if you're a young child, the best thing you can do is obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is godliness, and that's what it looks like for you. I would say, you know, just from our perspective, my kids are older now. We're not doing family worship like we did regularly overseas when we lived overseas. I, want, I would just stress, and I, we do this often from the pulpit, but we must continue to stress doing family worship, particularly when your kids are younger and they're in the house. Um, and you might think, well, John's family had it all, had it all right. They knew how to do family worship. When we were in Russia, Kristen and I sat Sat here, Kristen sat at my left hand, kids sat right around with their arms crossed listening to Daddy read the Word, right? Is that how it went? No, it was more like, sit still, listen to your mama, well, let's get these words in. It was more like weeping and gnashing of teeth sometimes. And those of you who had small kids know what I'm talking about. Lots of them trying to have family worship, but... That doesn't negate the fact that we must do our best. It's, it's a training time, too. It trains them to sit in church. It's a time just to, to, to teach discipline. Now, they may not be getting, and you might be thinking, they're not getting what I'm saying. I'll, I'll bet you my kids can't remember one family worship um, teaching. But they can remember that we did it. That we did it. That's more important, and that's what they get. And so I just, how does that look in our homes? You know, practically teaching them, it begins in the homes. If we're allowing the church to do this, then we are, we're in the wrong, we, we, we're going down the wrong road. We've got to stress from the pulpit, from leadership, we've got to, to model this. And, and fathers and mothers, you've got to do this in your homes. And so we must do this. Another, another thing just as far as practical godliness goes, we must, when we get together in our home groups, speak the truth in love and hold one another accountable in godliness. And I know that's, that's hard, and we're all at different places. There's, it's concerning faith, there's 10, 20, 30, 100-fold. We're all at different places in our, in our walks in godliness, but we must be godly, and we must strive after godliness. Bible says, for without holy, holiness, no one will see the Lord. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, this is the will of God. If you want to know the will of God for your life, this is it. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, your 
godliness. Remember, there, again, there are no... <clears throat> Christians bear fruit. That's what we do. We bear fruit. And again, could go into a whole bit more, but we do it because the power of the Holy Spirit works within us to love Christ and to do what He has commanded us. And so that's number two this morning. First, get the gospel right. Second, teach them to obey all the commands of Christ. And then three, we must love God. I think this truth underlies everything that we do. This reality is the heart of making disciples, both here and to the ends of the earth. Now you might say, well, John, this text does not, does not really say anything about love. <clears throat> but if you remember, one of the Jewish religious leaders, lawyers, came to Jesus. And he asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Do you remember what he said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. So, do you see how we can imply this and put this directly into Matthew 28, 18 to 20? At the end of the day, all of us do what we want to do in just about in every situation. If we want to go to the store and get a Big Mac, we go to the store and get a Mac. If we're feeling more healthy that day and we want to go to Kava, we go to Kava. If we want to be in church, we're going to go to church. If we want to do family worship, and so we could go on and on and on, but those things flow from the heart, desires that we have. And so what is the most important desire that we could have? To love God. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. There your heart will also be. And I would, I guess, I mean, Caleb and Saya and Abby and Emily, if she were here, could tell you that probably through the years, one of the things I've always said is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Love Christ. Love Him. And think about your heart. And so, as a church, if we want to create a disciple-making culture, if we want to get the, the mission of the church right, Really, we must begin here. Jesus says to Peter, if you love me, you will do what? You will feed my sheep. In the Old Testament, what made a good king? Well, if you read through, there's few good kings in, in, in the southern part of Israel. None really in the, in, the, in the northern part. Maybe one for a time. But what made a good king? They still sinned. Sometimes they didn't get rid of all the high places. But it was a heart. For God. That is, they loved God through it all. So this is so important. So the best preachers, the best teachers, the best elders, the best deacons, the best children, the best fathers, the best mothers, grandparents, are those who love God. For those who love God want to please Him from the heart. I mean, I, I, if I'm going to bring Kristen flowers and say, ah, oh, this is my duty, honey, today, to bring you some flowers. Or if I bring her flowers, say, man, I love you, and I wanted to bring you these flowers because I just love you, and these flowers are just a token, nothing of what is coming out of my heart. What's the difference? It's love. That's what we want from all of us. That's what I want for you as your pastor. That's what our elders want. That's what we want, to love God. And the older I get... 
the older I get, the more I see that my affections are, that's what I pray for more than anything, my affections. I find myself asking God to help my affections, and so I would urge you as well, today, tomorrow, the next day, every day, make, put that, make that a part of your prayer time in your closet when you're by yourself. Just pray, God, help me to love you, and I, God will do that. He will answer your prayer. Now, there's so much more I could say from this text on making disciples, but these are just three things, three fundamentals, I think, that help us get the mission of the church right. Get the gospel right, teach them to obey, and then love God. So with those truths in mind, let me finish with just some closing comments on the mission of the church. There, again, there are a lot of things that churches have done historically. When we think about getting out into the world, we've built schools, we've established hospitals, we've formed great helping agencies like the, such as the Red Cross. You know, Christian churches are often involved in the world in benevolence, world hunger, disaster relief. Many Christians are involved with pressing moral issues of our day, such as, you know, eradicating abortion. And let me say, I could, I could name a lot more things, but let me say, all of these things are good. And as Christians who have the Holy Spirit, that's what we want to do. Because we see all these good things in the Bible, all these commands of God, and we want to go out and we want to do those things that, that the Bible has commanded. And we, want, we just want to do good to people. And we should be involved in all of those things as a church. In fact, we must be involved. I mean... <clears throat> James says, go to the orphans, take care of the widows. All of these things we must do. And even in politics, as God allows in every political situation throughout the world, we must influence the culture as Christians in all of these ways. But if we shift our emphasis from these simple things that I've shared this morning, if we shift our emphasis from the making of disciples through preaching and teaching, teaching them to obey all of the, the commands of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will miss our mission. In other words, if we shift and we just start doing all of those things, which are all good, but then we leave them get the gospel wrong, then we don't teach them to obey, and then we have not great love in our hearts for God, then basically then we're just going to become folks that, 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 that live with no power. And eventually, I think the church then will fall away. If we miss our mission, we will lose the very power of the gospel itself. And so I think many, many churches... We like to use the word liberal and conservative, whatever word you want to use. But those who have moved away from these three things, getting the gospel right, teaching them to obey, and, and loving God eventually move away from the gospel. I think of the words of Jesus as I read this morning, Revelation 3, to the church at Sardis. Listen to these words. He says, I know your works. <clears throat> you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. And strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it. Repent. 
If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will know at what hour I will come against you. This, these words were written to, to, to a church like ourselves many, a couple thousand years ago. May this never be the case here at Grace. Also, I think if we will get our mission right, these are just some practical things that we do at Grace and some things that I just want to mention. We will try to keep things as simple as possible in the, the gathering of the church and, the, and how we conduct ourselves. And I think the application of this, of this truth are many. And I, again, I haven't even, or, I hadn't even spoken on how we organize ourselves as churches. This is a part of teaching them to obey all the commandments of Christ. But the, the New Testament says quite a lot as how we organize ourselves as a church. And I think that, that, that following the New Testament in this way is the most simple. As, as a Baptist, as we are Baptist, I think the plurality of elders in a congregational setting is the most biblical, the most simple. We also call deacons to serve the body so that elders can preach and, and pray. I think we should, you know, in, in our times here, I think we've done this. We've tried to keep our meetings with as keep them as simple as possible and not put more into our meetings than what the, the New Testament asks or requires or shows us in an example. Caleb and I have been reading a book on this for a while and thinking through these. And I think we've done okay, but I think we need to just continue. I just want you to hear that. That's one of the reasons we don't put all of these things in our worship services. We try to keep things simple, simple. And I, again, I hope we've done that and I hope we continue to do that. Also, I think it's important that your elders and your leaders, those who teach, uh, who teach home group and other leaders in the church, our deacons, that we do our best to, to always be meeting with other believers in our body in order to bring people along, in order to make disciples, in order to teach them to obey. I think our home groups are a good way to create this environment. So I want to put a punch in there for our home groups. They are, they are good. No, they're, they're not always the same dynamics every year, and they're, not, they're, they're always different, always changing. But you know what? As people, we have, we're sinful, and we have mess in our lives, but when we gather together in our home groups, it just helps us create an environment where making disciples is normal. And so, and so as as I think that we should go about and do all, lots of other things with, with orphans, with prison ministry, with abortion ministry, you name it. We should be doing all of those things. But we must be careful not to make a program out of all those things. But instead, as God gives, we're not all a finger, we're not all an ear, we're not all a knee. We're all different and God will give us different ministries. And As leaders, we should come alongside and say, how can we help you do that? How can we make that happen at grace. I think these are just some things to just keep things simple. There's a lot of things that we can do, but we must do the main thing, which is, I'm going to finish up our, this sermon for this morning, we must get the gospel right if we're going to do our mission, and we must teach them to obey if we're going to do our mission, and we must love God. And so with that in mind, let's, let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, at the end of this time here, I, <clears throat> we come before you. Thank you for this, these words from Matthew, from our Lord, on making disciples. Father, may we, 
be encouraged this morning. May we be strengthened just to, to hear a familiar message that we've heard preached many times. And Father, we, many things in this passage I left out. Just going to the ends of the earth and knowing that you are with us. That you've given us all authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, none of those I really mentioned this morning. But, but thank you for these words. And I pray that, that we would consider the mission of the church. And that we would continue doing the simple things that we've learned. Father, I give you this time, give you this day. I pray you help us as we go out into the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row Inn YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.